Is your relationship more difficult than it needs to be? Head over to loveandabuse.com and check out the workbook and the podcast on emotional abuse. You deserve to be treated with kindness and respect. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani, and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for information on educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. So glad you are here. This is part two of the Ten Commandments of Personal Power. I'm going to go over the first five commandments just to summarize, just in case you hadn't heard those. But last week's episode, as of this recording, had uh, the first five, part one. So if you haven't heard that episode yet, then it's a good idea to maybe listen to that one before you listen to this one. But they can both stand on their own, so it's okay. But might be helpful if you want all 10, quote, commandments. So I'm just going to dive right in here and uh, look at my notes. The last episode, I named out the following commandments. One, thou shalt accept that you matter and your opinion is valid. Probably don't need to expand on that, but you have to know you matter and your opinion is valid. In fact, say that to yourself the next time you're talking to someone that uh, puts you down or minimizes you or doesn't listen to you. Just say that to yourself. No, I matter. My opinion is valid. And then speak your mind if you want to. You know, this is where you can choose to do it or not. I want to give you choice. I like to make them the most empowered choice if you choose to make that choice. So it's up to you. But I try to live by these rules or philosophies of life because it helps me. It makes my life easier and life can be challenging. So number one, thou shalt accept that you matter and your opinion is valid. Number two is thou shalt always consider what you can do instead of getting stuck in what you believe you can't. And uh, this kind of resonates with something I'm going to talk about a little later. But if you really grasp onto this, it keeps you out of the weeds. It keeps you out of obsessive thinking. So we're going to talk about obsessive thinking probably in the next segment. So considering what you can do instead of getting stuck in what you believe you can't is a very empowering decision. And it helps you get the reins of your life back. It helps you stay, not in control, but stay in charge of yourself. Number three is thou shalt realize and hold true that you are not the cause of other people's toxic behavior. Somebody's acting toxic or dysfunctional around you. 
some people will tend to blame the person near them or around them. There's a lot of people out there that take that victim role and they blame others for their own bad behavior. One of the most popular ones I've seen, unfortunately, is when the cheater says, I wouldn't have cheated if you didn't do XYZ. So there's somebody who is blaming you for their bad behavior. I wouldn't cheat on you if you weren't such a BITC you know what or BAST you know what. I wouldn't have cheated on you if you weren't that person. So I had to cheat because of you. That's just false. It's just a lie. It's a manipulation. Realize and hold true that you are not the cause of other people's toxic behavior. They are. Number four is thou shalt, if I can say it, thou shalt know your own personal boundaries so well that there's no question in your mind if a boundary has been violated. This is where I think in the last episode I said, you know, write down what your boundaries are. What's important to you? Write down what you will and won't accept. Or if you don't write it down, I don't even write down my boundaries. I just know them when they're violated. But it's important to know what you will and won't accept in your life. If you don't know and it happens, then people might walk all over you. They'll treat you like a doormat. You don't want to be treated like a doormat. You want to know that you matter. You want to know that they're doing bad behavior because of them, not because of you. You want to know your personal boundaries so well that there's no question in your mind if one of them has been violated. I talked more about that in the previous episode, but these are important to just drill into your mind and remember them or write them down somewhere. Or if you already know them well, like me, I don't have to write down my boundaries because I know them. I know when somebody violates one because I have an overall, uh, what can I say, respect for myself. That doesn't mean you don't respect yourself. I'm not saying that. I'm saying when you get to the point where you draw the line and you won't let people cross it, or at least you will make it known that they're crossing that line, you feel like you're honoring yourself and respecting yourself to the fullest. And that's a good feeling. I would love for you to get used to that feeling. So that's number four. And number five from last week, fifth commandment of personal power is thou shalt only judge themselves when they are being judgmental toward others. This one I talked about in length. I talked about the difference between discernment and judgment and how discernment causes you to stay focused on yourself and judgment causes you to stay focused on others. And if you're constantly focused on other people and not redirecting that focus back to yourself, then you stay in victim mode. You get stuck in this space where you're waiting for others to change so that you'll be happier and on and on. There's a lot involved there. Like I said, I talk about it before, but it's important to remember that when you find yourself being judgmental toward others, if you can turn that judgment back on yourself, not that I think it's a good thing to judge yourself, but what this does is it redirects that judgmental energy onto the person doing the judging yourself so that you can focus on what you need to do instead of judging another person. I think that's uh, one of the most important points I made in the other episode, so I hope you check that out. But those are the first five commandments of personal power, and 
When we come back, I'm going to go over the next five, and I hope they make a huge difference in your life. They have made a difference in my life, and they have changed my life. I mean, a couple of the commandments that I'm going to read, they have turned my life around. They have made me happier. They have made the people I love happier, all because I chose a philosophy to live by and I guess you could say rules or at least guidelines to go by to create the least amount of stress and the most amount of personal power. And that's what I want for you too. So we're going to come back. We're going to go through the list and I hope you get a lot from today's episode. Be right back after this. haven't mentioned it yet, coming up in the next segment, I'm going to talk about balancing your life and your day-to-day activities. And one of the activities that I like to do sometimes is play games. I like to play games. I'm a 50-year-old guy. (laughs) I still like to play games. You know, I grew up on the Atari, so that stayed in there. It doesn't mean that I have time to play a lot of games, but here's the thing. I really believe you do need to balance out your life. And again, we're going to talk about that in a moment. But balancing out your life does involve doing things that are either leisurely or recreational or resting or whatever you like to do that's not only work. So this is where I mentioned the game that I play on my phone called Best Fiends. Best Fiends is a great game to play if you just want to blow off some steam If you want to have some fun, casual gameplay that never gets old, and when you need to unwind, you can always count on Best Fiends. It's a free-to-download, match-three, casual mobile puzzle game, and uh, you're going to find yourself a little obsessed when you play. And uh, the reason is, is because everything really lines up. When I'm playing, it really feels like you're getting in the zone, like you swipe your finger and match some objects and the things fall and then the noise comes in and you just feel like you're in that meditation state and it might be a little strange to compare meditation with a game but it really does help you relax and I appreciate games that are less about a bunch of action and aggression and things like that to something that just allows me to do it at my own pace this is where best fiends comes in it's boredom's worst nightmare If you want to check out a game with literally thousands of levels to play, they're adding more all the time. They have tons of cute characters to collect. And if you never get tired of solving puzzles, the good news is with Best Fiends, the fun never ends. Download Best Fiends free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends. Take some time to unwind. Welcome back. I'm going to go over the next five commandments of personal power, starting with number six. Number six is thou shalt define the word no as a gift that you give to yourself, not an attack on someone else. The word no is a gift to yourself. When you want to say no, it's okay to say no. It's a gift. 
It's not an attack on someone else. It's for you, not against them. And for the conflict averse out there, I want you to fear conflict with yourself more than conflict with others, unless they are truly harmful to you. But you need to fear having a conflict with yourself because what ends up happening is if you are out of alignment with what you really want in your life and you say yes to things that you want to say no to, you end up sabotaging your path to happiness and fulfillment and peace and comfort and success. You sabotage your path. This is why it's important to be congruent in your thoughts and your feelings and your behavior. Congruence means that you are in alignment. What you think is what you do or what you say. So when you have a no coming up inside of you because you don't want to do something, you want to say no, but you usually don't. Think about those scenarios. It's important that you define the word no as a gift to yourself, not as an attack on someone else. This just helps you connect with the origin of your no or yes. Why am I really saying no? Am I saying no because I fear what they're going to say to me? I fear the result. I fear that they're going to be upset with me or they're not going to like me. Because if your no is coming from that kind of fear, either you're around the wrong people because they're too scary to be around or you're just not honoring yourself or there might be something, a third thing in there too. But those two are pretty much where I come from is it's either I'm afraid of the result or the outcome or I'm just not honoring myself. So I like to treat the, the word no as a gift and it doesn't become all about somebody else's reaction to my no, if that makes sense. Because the day you align with what you really want for yourself and you stand proud in your integrity, knowing that you did the right thing for you, that's the day your life changes. I mean, this is one of those life-changing events that I was telling you about in the last segment when I decided to honor my no. And that was when I've talked about this on the show before. It's when my wife and I, when I was married, we were homeless and her mom gave us a little bedroom in her 600 square foot apartment to live in. But we had no money. We had to go to the soup kitchen every morning. And after, I don't know how many months, I finally got a job. And uh, I started this job and I stayed there for a few weeks and it felt like a prison. I think I just told this in the last episode. So I'm not going to go too, too deeply into it. But I realized I didn't want to be there anymore because it felt so stifling. It was my emotional prison and I hated it. I also realized that I was going to be stuck there for a long time because we needed money. And the day I called up my wife and said, I, I can't stand it here, but I have no choice. I have no way out of here. I know we need the money. And she said, I'll support whatever decision you decide was the day I decided to honor my no. And I saw that as a gift to myself. And that gift, that kept on giving. When I quit that job, my whole life changed. I brightened up. I lightened up. I felt better. We went to the soup kitchen the very next day and I was okay with it because I was in alignment with what I really wanted for myself and that, that place I was working, I did not want. It was just very stifling. I was unhappy there and fortunately, uh, I had a partner that was okay with me following my path and honoring that path 
which I think is a great thing to have when you have someone in your life that will honor that path, even if there's hardship. You know, I'm not saying it's a, always a good outcome, but I'm just saying when you have somebody that will support you that much, then you have someone special, and hopefully you support them as much as well. And you also understand that there could be such hardship that maybe you have to make different decisions. That's a whole nother story, a whole nother episode. But I give you that story because I felt so good about myself just for saying I'm quitting. It felt so good to walk up to the supervisor and say, I quit. And I walked out the door and I never, ever had to step foot back in that place again. I felt like I was standing comfortable in my own skin and standing up for myself and being in integrity. I felt totally aligned. So that's why you should define no as a gift to you. After I quit that job just three weeks later, I had the energy and the time to pursue other work and I found another job that no kidding paid twice as much. And I wouldn't have looked and I wouldn't have been available if I had stayed at that first job. I'm not saying that everyone will succeed like I did. I'm just saying that even if I didn't find that other job, it was still the right decision for me. It worked for me. That's number six. Let's go to number seven. Number seven is thou shalt remember to create balance between work, play, and rest. And I just mentioned this in the sponsored ad where I do take time to rest and play and have some leisure time, have some quiet time in between my super long day. <laughs> I sit at my desk. I'm here all day from morning to night, but I, I always take time to relax and play and just connect with myself, connect with nature, connect with my girlfriend. Uh, but I still work more than I do anything else. It's my life's mission. I continue doing what I'm doing here. I'm creating this show and other content and material to put out there. And it takes a long time. It takes a long time to do all of this stuff, which is why it's so vital for me. And I believe for anyone listening that you create balance in your life and people uh, I'm trying not to single anyone out here, but my girlfriend has ADD <laughs> and uh, it's hard for her to break away and take a break unless I tell her to, or at least say, Hey, I'm going to eat lunch. Do you want to eat lunch? And she'll be like, uh, okay, yes. Uh, yes, I can do that. <laughs> she's looking at something else. She's in the middle of something else, but I pull her away. And then sometimes she'll, you know, interrupt me and say, Hey, let's eat something, which is good. But I often overhear her tell her friends, uh, she says this all the time actually, Paul always finds time to play his guitar or sit outside or play a game. We both work all day long, but he makes the time to take a break. And I kind of laugh because I hear her telling this to her friend on the phone. And she'll say, you know, I need to do the same thing because he seems to be more peaceful. <laughs> he seems to be less stressed. So I need to do that. So that's why I'm telling you, is that when you create this balance, it rebuilds the energy. It recharges you inside. It recharges your brain. It gives everything a break so that you can disconnect for a little bit and then reconnect. And I don't mean electronically. I mean disconnect from a framework of thinking or a line of thinking and reconnect to it later. If you're sitting there looking at problems on your screen or you're out and about and you're working outside or inside, wherever you work, whatever you do, if you don't take that break time 
and really disconnect from that to reconnect with you or nature or something else, you're going to feel the buildup. I mean, that's the best way to I can explain it. It's a buildup. And if you don't take a break, the buildup continues. And I know what that feels like because I worked at a place in the 90s where the buildup was never ending. And I really couldn't take a break. I know there's some people that can relate to this. I just can't take a break during the day. It's constant, constant stress and constant phone calls and constant people coming up to me. Totally get that. I was there. I did that for six months. I had a headache nonstop every day. Uh, but I still found a way to take a break. And this is going to sound weird, but I went to the bathroom. <laughs> I went to the bathroom and I was there a good five or ten minutes. I won't tell you what I was doing, but I was there and I took advantage of that time. So sometimes you have to make time so that you can take a break. And I worked for another company where I didn't get too many breaks. And um, I decided that I was going to sit in the break room for five minutes with my eyes closed. I would be connected to nothing. And I would just either do a quick power nap if I could, which I never could, but I was going to try, you know, sit there with my eyes closed just to relax myself, relax my body, relax my brain. And I tell you what, that's a great way to recharge as well. If you have a chance to take a power nap or a power meditation or just close your eyes for a few minutes, it can really help reset things and bring you back to life. So that that's why I'm sharing this is that sometimes we don't have the time, we have to make the time, or we have to utilize the time that we have doing other things. And it, it is vital to get balanced in your life. If you're working all the time, or even if you're playing all the time, you will end up with less energy because there's not enough variety and balance. And your brain kind of needs all of the above. It, it needs some challenges. It needs some leisure. It needs some recreation. Your emotional state needs that too. You need to experience different environments and different feelings and live holistically enough so that you're getting a taste of a lot of things instead of one assembly line thing day after day after day. I'm sorry if you work on assembly line. I don't mean to put that down either. You, there's probably a lot of things that are great about that, but it can probably get repetitive. So definitely find time for that balance. All right, we're going through these. Number eight is next. Number eight is thou shalt recognize that not all caretakers have the psychological, mental, or emotional capacity to see your true worth. A mentally unwell or toxic caretaker can do a number on your feelings of self-worth. Because what happens? You take away beliefs that you are not worthy or lovable. You know, you take that away from childhood. So it's important to remember the source of that information. When the source isn't credible, the data is wrong. My stepfather, he made our lives a living hell and our family walked around in embarrassment and fear of his behavior. Embarrassment because he would say things to waitresses and he would just be inappropriate because when he was drinking, he was always inappropriate. And fear because we had no idea what he was going to do next. And he did some pretty heinous stuff. And since he was one of my primary caretakers most of my upbringing, his behavior became imprinted in my psyche. And I developed dysfunctional behaviors and it took a ton of reflection and healing 
to heal from my like my fear of rejection and my fear of abandonment, my fear of being alone. And I even became possessive and jealous when I was in relationships. So coming out of my childhood home where one of my caretakers was just awful, I felt neglect. I didn't have a good dad role model and I had a mom role model that taught us how to enable his bad behavior and do things to avoid his bad behavior, which you know those were her coping and survival mechanisms. But I also developed those as well, just like anyone listening now. If you were brought up in a household that had any type of toxic behavior, you're going to develop coping and survival mechanisms that you will certainly introduce into your other relationships. And if you haven't, uh, dysfunctions usually show up in some way, shape, or form. Not always, but that's what often happens is a toxic upbringing will breed dysfunctional behaviors in your life and in your relationships. The path to my healing from childhood involved finally realizing that my beliefs about almost everything were made up because my upbringing is what I believed life was like. And it's not. There's no way that life is like my upbringing unless I make it that. What does that mean? That means if you were brought up in a toxic environment and you grow up and you move out and you get into another relationship with a toxic person, you are bringing that toxic environment back into your life. And the problem is, is that we often don't recognize it's toxic. We just find it normal. If you come from a toxic environment from childhood, you're going to find toxic environments normal and you're not going to see any of the red flags. You're not going to see the warning signs. So it's important to understand what those are. And that's, you know, that's why I do this show. That's why I do love and abuse. And everything I talk about has to do with empowering you so you can see these things, maybe not only as they happen, but before they happen, trying to get that personal power so that you don't get stuck in these situations. But in my life, you know, this is what I believed life was like in my childhood. Coming out of my childhood home, I had all these survival and coping mechanisms, but they were created by me as a child. They were from a child's mind. The way I interacted with the world as an adult were child-created mechanisms that helped me survive. And as you can probably guess, being an adult in an adult world using childhood mechanisms to survive doesn't always work. In fact, it can probably ruin most, if not all, your relationships. So these childhood survival and coping mechanisms, they weren't created from an adult perspective with reason or rationality. And my path to healing, one of the biggest steps was becoming an adult. And I just mean in maturity, I mean in my decision-making, I mean in my emotional processing, just deciding to become an adult. And this is something that my wife taught me, actually. She said, I don't want to be married to a little boy, because that's how I was showing up. I was showing up in all my relationships as a little boy, a little permissive boy that really didn't want to make conflict, really didn't want to make any waves. So I would just not really feel comfortable in my own skin. So I decided to become an adult 
And when I came against challenging situations where I would have responded in fear or I would have let somebody walk all over me like a doormat, I decided to ask myself questions instead. So you get emotionally triggered by something or you have a lot of fear about something. Questions like, why does that bother me so much? That's a good question. And what's the worst case scenario? I always like to travel down that path. What's worse than that? What's worse than that? When did this belief or fear really start? This really helps me connect back to my childhood because a belief or a fear typically starts when you're very young. And when it doesn't go away, you have to consider the context of when you created that belief or fear. And then ask yourself, does it apply now? Is this belief or fear still true? So I had to go through that questioning process and I had to do it over and over again. And I still find myself doing that over and over again. If any little hint of the old me that felt negative about anything comes up, I'm going to go through that questioning process. Like, um, I don't know, I'm thinking of something that might make me jealous, for example. Let's just say that I know my girlfriend's talking to a guy that she used to date and I get some jealousy. And I don't think I've felt this for a long time, but let's just say it came up. So I would ask myself, okay, whoa, whoa. <laughs> That's the first thing I would do. Whoa, what's going on? I'd step out of myself for a second and look at myself and say, why does that bother you so much? Or why does that bother me so much? What's the worst thing that could happen? And I would go through that scenario. What's the worst thing that could happen? Oh, what if they get together? And I would actually go through the story in my head. What stories am I making up? Okay, what's worse than that? What if they get together and they and she dumps me? Okay, what's worse than that? Well, she dumps me and then she has kids with him and then they get married. And I'm going through all these scenarios and I'm alone and I have to move and I have to sell my stuff. All these scenarios that come up that I'm making up, of course. And then I ask myself, okay, when did this fear or this belief really start? At what point in life did it start? So I'm going to explore that. When did I start becoming jealous? When did I start having a fear that I was going to be abandoned or rejected? Oh, I remember that one time when I was six. Oh, and then that stuff can come up to be processed. I'm making it sound easier than it is, but I'm, I'm giving you some tools to help you start the process. And then, of course, the next question, is what I believe still true? Do I really still have a fear of rejection? If I do, why? Why is that still there? What's going on with that? What would happen? There's another question. What would happen if I was rejected? And then I would ask myself more drill down questions after that. Okay, let's just say I got rejected and I felt lonely and sad. How is that a bad thing? That's the kind of questions I like to ask myself. How questions like, how is that bad? How is that a problem? How is that going to change your life? Are you going to be able to accept that? Are you going to be okay with that? There's another question we're coming up. The are you okay with that question is in one of the next commandments, so I don't want to get into that yet. But you ask yourself all those questions, and this helps you heal. And I had to heal from this child's survival mind. Because when you're a child and you're going through all that stuff, you're creating survival mechanisms, you're creating coping mechanisms. And if you never address those survival or coping mechanisms again, they stick around. And when that's all you have available in the adult world, 
things don't work out as great as they could. In fact, sometimes they don't work out at all. And another thing that helped me was something I mentioned earlier, is I decided to stop playing a victim to what the people in my life did, and I started taking responsibility for the results that I got. My life did a complete 180 once I told myself the following. If I don't like someone else's behavior, I don't have to be around that person. That's it. If, if you tell yourself, if I don't like someone else's behavior, I don't have to be around that person. If you follow that principle, you will get stuck out of the endless loop of hoping and wishing and waiting and even manipulating, trying to make others change to conform to what you want them to be. I could have spent the rest of my life wishing my stepfather was different. But the day I accepted that he will never be different and that he will always be a dangerous person and someone that I probably will never be able to relate to or connect to or love in the same way again is the day I was able to let him go and let myself go. Because I stopped trying to change him. I stopped trying to make him conform to the way I wanted him to be. And when you stop trying to change others or waiting for them to change, you take your life back. When I did that, when I stopped waiting for others to change for me, that's when I realized that all worth is self-worth. It's all self-initiated. Your worth comes from you. And I've taught self-worth before. I talked about how when you're a child, worth comes from your caretakers. Oh, you're so good at drawing. Oh, you're so good at playing that musical instrument. And you feel worthy. Oh, they love you and they shower you with gifts or kisses or whatever. And you feel worthy. You feel valuable. You feel important. You feel loved. And I still believe that. But when you get older, after all that, worth is either defined or even taken away from you because they didn't make you feel that way. The rest of the job comes from you. You either have to refill it, rebuild it, or continue it by adding to it. And if you're okay with your worth and your value, you probably don't need to do anything to it. But you might need to rebuild it or refill it which is where this comes in. So if you didn't get the good feelings of worth as a child, then you have to recognize that all worth is self-worth. And what that means is you take care of yourself. You treat yourself as important. You love yourself. You are compassionate toward yourself. Because when you treat all worth as self-worth, and then someone else just happens to make you feel good or important, I call that abundance. So if you fill yourself with worth because you know you're great, you know you're hot stuff, you know you're important, you know you're lovable, then your cup is full. And then somebody comes along and says, wow, you're amazing. That is abundance. That's when you feel more worth on top of your worth. At least that's how one of the ways I define abundance. And so I talk about self-worth and self-esteem in another episode that I did in The Overwhelmed Brain. Just go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com type in the word esteem in the search field and you will see a couple episodes I did way back when, uh, but definitely worth listening to if you have any self-worth or self-esteem issues. So that was number eight. We got two more. Number nine commandment of personal power is thou shalt seek or create closure 
as soon as possible. I've learned there's nothing worse than not knowing what to do or think because you don't know the outcome of something or what someone is planning to do. For example, I spent my entire marriage hoping my wife would stop emotional eating. It was an obsession in my mind. Every time she reached for a sweet snack, I would get angry and I would feel stress and I would feel sadness. And day after day would pass where I would not have closure. I would always want her to make a different decision and I wouldn't get that closure. So I would hold on to these emotional triggers and carry them with me into the next day. And I would continue to be affected by her behavior. And near the end of the marriage, I finally learned the one thing that I never got before. And that was a question that I asked myself that absolutely freed me from the anger and the sadness. It took away the anger and the sadness that I always felt when she did behavior that I didn't like. And this one question, which I'll share next, is what I refer back to whenever I can't get over the way something or someone is. The question is, if this never changes, can I be okay with it? If this never changes, can you be okay with it? That's it. You just apply that question to any situation that you can't get out of your mind. But you have to come up with a definitive answer. You have to. You can't just say, well, maybe, maybe I can, maybe I'll work on it. It can't be that. You have to come up with a definitive yes or no, or, or at least a 99% maybe. So, you know, I'm giving you a little break here, but try to come up with an absolute yes or no. If this never changes, can you be okay with it? And if you ask yourself that question and you still can't come up with a yes or a no, ask yourself the next question. If I had no choice but to say yes or no, what would I say then? Let me tell you how this worked when I was married. I asked myself, if she never, ever stops eating sweets and she never beats this addiction, can you be okay with it? Wow, when I asked myself that question, I felt like something was shifting inside of my body. And my answer was no. I said that out loud. I said, no, I can't. I can't live with that. I can't handle it. It won't be okay. Now, I said that, but here is the moment of transformation. This is the moment that will change your life if you play this full on. When you answer a question like, if this never changes, can I be okay with it? When you answer a definitive yes or no, your brain gets rewired instantly. It lays down a new path of thinking in a way that you never thought before. This is almost always, unless you've already said, no, I can't live with this, but you're still living with it. The question is supposed to put you in a position where you finally make a decision. Like my mom talking about my stepfather when they were married. I can't live with him. I hate him. And if I asked her this question, well, you know, if he never ever changes, can you be okay with it? She would say, no, of course not. I'll never be okay with it. Yet she stayed in that situation. Now, there's other reasons that she stayed, but what this is designed to do is stop you from thinking about this other thing so much. 
In fact, you should probably stop thinking about it because you've decided that you can either be okay with it or not. But once you make that definitive choice, there's no more reason to think about it because you've given it all the thought that you wanted to give it. It really is a transformational moment and you have to try it on. When you answer definitively, your brain gets rewired and it lays down a new path of thinking. And because of that, you're going to either change your mind or follow through. So with me, and it's weird, this is what happened to me. I said, no, I won't be okay with that. If my wife doesn't stop this addiction, I won't be okay with it. In that moment, I visualized a terrible future and a lot of unhappiness. But I also saw all the loss that came with losing her. Because now I'm answering definitively that I will not be okay with it, which means I've accepted that it will never change, which takes all hope and wish and praying out of the picture and gives me truth. This really brings in truth. This really brings you closure, which is what this commandment is all about. This is what you're looking for. You're looking for closure for things that are still in this open loop state. I saw all the loss that came with losing her if I actually left, and my brain was trying to process all of this at the same time, and suddenly I became accepting of her behavior, and I accepted her for who she was and what she did with her life from that moment on. It's so weird, because I hadn't felt accepting of her behavior or her as a person for the entire marriage. And in the moment I said no, that I wouldn't be okay with it, I was suddenly okay. It just came up. It came out of me. What? I don't understand. I just said no, I won't be okay with it. And all that thinking I was doing on a daily basis and all the emotion that was tied up into it was finally over because I came to a definitive conclusion that I wouldn't be okay with it. And when that happened, my obsession stopped. I stopped thinking about what she was eating and I stopped watching what she ate and I stopped making her feel bad and suddenly I was a different person and she saw it. She recognized this new person and she didn't recognize me at all. <laughs> she recognized a new person but she didn't know who I was and it was weird. It was weird for both of us because I had never felt so accepting of someone else and it started by not being accepting. It started by saying no, I couldn't handle this or I couldn't be okay with it. But that also stopped the line of obsessive thinking because I finally came to a conclusion. I see this as reaching threshold. When you reach the threshold of an obsessive thought and you take it to a must-make decision, you reach clarity and your decision comes easily. But you have to take it to the definitive yes or no limit. You have to bring yourself there. Otherwise, the obsessive thinking never stops. And there's a flip side to this. The flip side is when you don't know enough to make an informed decision. And this often happens when someone breaks up with you and they don't tell you why or they leave this huge mystery and you don't know what you did wrong because that's where we often go. What did I do wrong? Or they give you a reason that doesn't make any sense. So you're left with all these questions and you don't have any answers. This is the flip side of finding closure because sometimes you won't. Sometimes you'll have no closure. Sometimes you can't come to an answer because the person who has the answers won't give them to you or can't. 
So when this happens, the question, if I never ever know why they broke up with me, will I be okay with it? That question won't work as well. It could. I would definitely recommend you try it, but it isn't likely to be as effective as when you're using it for something else. However, the place I like to go when it comes to scenarios like this is making a decision to move forward regardless of what you believe will happen. This is my strategy to decision making. Every time you aren't sure about a decision and you don't know the outcome and you don't have enough information, I choose to move forward even though I don't have enough information. Or even though I think that there might be a chance that something else might work out better if I do something else, but if I don't have enough information, I still need to move forward. So that's how I see decision making. It's always forward instead of waiting and waiting and hoping and praying or trying to change things to work out in your favor. And sometimes you don't have all the data you need to move forward. That's why it's so important that you move forward. And that might mean making it up. That might mean taking a risk. It might mean you move on and then someone comes back in your life. Or you move on and then you're offered the job when you've already taken another job. Something like that. Here's the thing. The beauty of moving on is that you get to live life again. And if whatever you wanted to happen then happens, now you have an opportunity to go in that direction. But if it never happens, let's just say that you're waiting around for your ex-partner to come back and they're thinking about it and they're thinking about it and they're trying to work things out or they're processing stuff and they're not sure and you've been waiting and waiting and weeks and months go by and you keep waiting, you're going to be like a dog on a stake in a yard making a rut going in circles. That's not forward. That's just around and around. But if instead you decide that you're going to just make a decision and move in a direction and be okay with it, then if they eventually come back in your life, great, you have an opportunity to make a different decision then. But waiting to make that decision could keep you waiting forever. This is what I'm saying is that the beauty of moving on is that you get to live life again. And as long as you're moving forward, it's possible that other things could have played out. But if they do play out and you have another opportunity, then you can just make the decision then. It's sort of like um, when I used to look for work, I didn't want to take any job just in case there was a better job. <laughs> it was a limited way of thinking. I would see a job and I would think to myself, I don't know if I, like, I would like that job. I'm going to save this job for later and uh, I'm going to move on to the next job. So I would never apply. It's a great procrastination technique, actually. You see a job, you really don't want it, but you save it for later and you never apply because what if there's a better job or that job doesn't have enough incentive or doesn't pay enough. So you continue doing this with everything that comes your way and nothing is ever good enough. And then, of course, you're going nowhere. You're just going around in circles. And this is what I mean. Like sometimes you'll be in a relationship and then the relationship ends. Then you hope they want to come back and reconcile. But there's a waiting game and they're not sure and they keep you waiting. There's a point where you have to say, okay, I'm going to move on. I'm going to date again. I'm going to go forward with my life. And if they happen to come back and I'm not in a relationship, great. It might work out. If they happen to come back and I am in a relationship, I'm going to evaluate both scenarios. Will I be happier with this person or am I happy with the person I'm with? Either way you win. This is how I see it. Either way 
you will win if you move forward. And yes, there is risk in moving forward. There's a risk of loss. But I also see that when you stay in the rut and don't make a decision, there's a risk of no gain and future loss. So it's not a good situation when you're in the rut and you stay there, but it's always an opportunity when you move forward and just make the decision and take the risk. You don't know what's going to happen. So it's really not a risk. You're just moving. You just want to keep moving. And finally, let's get to the number 10 commandment of personal power. It goes like this. Thou shalt remember the new golden rule. It is up to you to let hurtful people know how you want to be treated. I kind of covered this in different ways and different aspects, but this really wraps it up in a nice package. It's up to you to let hurtful people know how you want to be treated. The golden rule we're taught is that you treat others the way you want to be treated. And I agree with that until the other person doesn't reciprocate. Or worse, they treat you badly when you treat them nicely. At that point, the golden rule falls on its face. So my new golden rule, my 10th commandment, at least in my little corner of the universe, empowers not only you, but the hurtful people. It empowers them with the opportunity to love and support and respect you. It's a gift for them to either unwrap and accept you and treat you better, or to throw away and reject it and keep things the same or worse. You are giving a hurtful person a gift when you tell them how you want to be treated. And it could be something as simple as saying, hey, look, could you be more respectful? That's it. It could be something simple like that. And it doesn't have to be dramatic. It doesn't have to be anything. It just has to be a statement or a somewhat passive question like, hey, would you mind treating me with a little bit more respect? I know we talked about conflict aversion and how that might drum up some problem but here's the thing, again, it's a gift for them to either unwrap or throw away. If they unwrap it and they treat you better, great. If they throw it away and continue to treat you badly, now you know enough to make a decision. I'm not saying you have to make a decision, but this is all about wrapping things up, finding closure, getting the conclusions that you need to move on with your life. So you give a person the gift of telling them how you prefer to be treated and what they do with that gift should be the conclusion you need to make the decision that you may want to make. It is the threshold of knowledge. <laughs> There's no mystery after this. After you see them accept or reject your gift, you know who they are by the way they treat your gift. Your gift could be something as simple as, hey, would you mind treating me this way? This is what I prefer. That could be your gift to them. And it's a gift because if they didn't know that about you, now they do. And now that they have this information, they can choose to continue to hurt you or they can choose a different way to treat you. Of course, that's what I hope they do. I hope they choose a different way to treat you. I don't want them to hurt you. But regardless of what they decide, there's no mystery after that. You know who they are by the way they treat you after that. They define themselves for you. There's no question in your mind after that. So you tell someone, hey, this is how I'd like to be treated, and they choose not to, now you know who they are. Now you don't have to look any further. You don't have to hope they're different. You don't have to look for empathy. You don't have to look for sympathy. It's not there. It's not happening. So now you know, 
And now you can ask yourself that question from before, knowing they'll never change, can I be okay with it? Because if your answer is no, then you might have a different decision to make. Like I said, this commandment kind of wraps up the majority of commandments in a nice package to give you a bigger picture so that you can base your life on all the philosophies that I talk about in this show and I talked about in the last episode and this episode. If you live by these, whatever you want to call them, commandments, principles, you're going to see your life change. And I know these are challenging for some people, for a lot of people. They were challenging for me. I had to go through a lot of challenges to get to the point where I could even teach this and share this. But I'm here to say, when you do these things, when you honor yourself, when you find closure and move forward, and when you do all of the things that I talked about in this episode and the last one, your life has no choice but to change for the better. And then you won't have to listen to shows like this anymore. (laughs) I hope that's never true, but I hope it is true. I hope you absolutely get to the point where you don't need any of this information. Or if you just like the sound of my voice and you want to go to sleep at night, that's fine too. (laughs) I know people do that too. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this was helpful. I give you my thank yous and my goodbyes and my final words right after this. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to remind you to head over to Google Play or the Apple App Store and download Best Fiends. That's friends without the R. Best Fiends for your mobile phone so that you can get some casual playtime whenever you need to wind down. And I want to thank a couple of reviews, MR and Ty Fan. I think I said that right. And Apple Podcasts said, I'm so grateful to have found this treasure of gold in your brain. (laughs) I took one little snippet out of that entire review uh, because that was my favorite line. (laughs) So uh, they went on to say some other stuff like, um, I've been listening to your podcast for a while and I now understand for the very first time in my life what it means to honor myself. Yes, yes, yes. That's what I want for you. Thank you, MI and Ty fan. I appreciate that. Somebody else said, let's see, M-E-R-S-B-J, I'm not sure how to say that, MERS-B-J, said, I spent years in a 12-step program and on and off in therapy, and I thought I heard it all, but I learned something new every time I listen to an episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. Paul is so insightful. Thank you so much. And, you know, I do read these for a little ego boost sometimes. (laughs) There's a lot of work over here. I got to keep myself motivated. And I love hearing this because it reminds me that it is helping. I want to be able to help you. If you are learning something that is changing your life, that I'm doing something right, I'm going in the right direction, I am making progress, which is awesome. Thank you, anyone who writes reviews. I try to get to them all, and I'll never be able to read them all on the air, but I am very grateful. I also have special thanks to Terry on YouTube. I never mentioned Terry. Terry listens to my show on YouTube. Yes, you can find my show on YouTube. There's no video. <laughs> But it's a show and it's an audio that you can, you know, you see the picture on the screen and you can listen to it. And some people prefer to listen on YouTube. So Terry has commented on several of the episodes I've done and um, I am appreciative. Thank you so much, Terry. 
I uh, connect with you over there. And um, special thanks to Ronnie for helping me test my emails. Uh, just last night as of this recording, I was uh, testing my email system. So I want to thank you, Ronnie, for being a guinea pig there and being so helpful. I appreciate you. And I want to thank the patrons of the week. These are the financial backers of the show. They joined the patron program over at moratob.com and decided to give back. And this is how they show their support. Robert and Kim and Brian, thank you. Samoya, and I know I'm probably saying that wrong, and if I am, I apologize. Really good to connect with you. Thank you so much for your support. You're a brand new patron. I am grateful for you. Thank you for joining Ron, Elaine, Julie, Deborah, Stephen. I always like reading Stephen's name. He's like one of the longtime supporters. And I am so grateful for you, Stephen. Thank you. And of course, everyone else, Daisy, Michelle, and Clarissa, you all warm my heart. Thank you for your support. I am humbled and honored that you support the show. And uh, donations came in too. Reedy or Reedy, I'm not sure how I pronounce that either. But I am so grateful for you. Thank you so much for your donation. And of course, Mariska, Mariska, I am grateful for you too. Thank you so much for your donation. Thank you, Riti, Mariska, everyone I named here. All of your support keeps the show going. And I am just sometimes floored by people's support. So thank you all. And if you find value in the show and you want to give back, head over to moretob.com. And I mentioned the Love and Abuse show once during this episode, and I didn't really even tell you what it is. If you've never heard of it, it is another podcast that I do on difficult relationships, mainly emotional abuse, control, and manipulation. If you're experiencing any of that, or if you don't know if you are, uh, you may want to check it out. Go to loveandabuse.com. Whether it's romantic, platonic, or family, any relationship counts. If someone is treating you badly, if you feel bad more than you feel good when you interact with this person, go to loveandabuse.com and uh, see if you resonate with anything I talk about over there. And finally, I want to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And this is it. I've got no closing words. Nothing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've said all there is to say. This is like the second part of an episode where I talked about the Ten Commandments of personal power. I suppose I could talk about personal power really quick. I like to group personal power in with empowerment. And um, I see really some high-level words that come with personal power. One of them is choice. I absolutely love to teach that you have a choice because we often feel like we're in situations that we don't. And I know people that don't have a choice. So it's not like everyone has a choice. So I'm not going to sugarcoat anything here, but we do have a lot of choices that we often don't think we have. So I just want you to remember that. And if you're learning anything about personal growth and self-improvement, always remember that what you learn, you should be able to choose to do it or not. Even the good stuff. I mean, it should all be good stuff. But if I tell you, you should honor your boundaries with these people when they are harmful to you, and you say, you know, I could in this moment, but I choose not to. If you said that to me, I would look at you and say, wow, you are a powerful person. That's what I would say. 
because it's a choice. You have the power of choice. But if you said, I don't really want to honor my boundaries with that person because, you know, I'm afraid of what they'll say. If you said that, that is a powerless position, at least the way I inflected it and how I'm thinking of it. If you say that, it's a powerless position. I'm not putting you down for it. I'm not trying to be uh, condescending or anything like that. I've been there. I've said it that way. <laughs> I've done that same thing. But it's not a very empowering stance. It's not a very powerful place to be. So I like to look at personal power as having a choice to do something, to do the right thing, or do a different thing. Hopefully it's not do the wrong thing, but it's do the right thing or do a different thing. And, you know, I talk about this on my podcast, Love and Abuse, which is to pick your battles wisely because sometimes you are dealing with people that if you decide to do or say something, that it could cause a lot more hassle than it's worth. And yeah, you might have to pick your battle wisely. You may not want to pick that particular battle. If you're trying to convince a full-blown narcissist that they're being a jerk, it may be a waste of time. It may be. I mean, you could try it and see what happens, but if it's full-blown narcissism, you probably won't get too far. So you could look at that as a battle or not, or what I've run into in my past, they're just an energy drain on you. Then sometimes you don't have to be fully forthcoming. Sometimes you don't have to share everything. Sometimes it's not worth even talking to them or getting involved in a conversation that you'll probably, quote, lose anyway. So coming back to personal power, I like to have options, which are decisions and choices. I like having the capacity or the ability to be myself, to feel comfortable in my own skin, to do and say things that are in alignment with who I am, and even be okay ticking some people off because they don't want to honor me honoring myself. I kind of get a, a chuckle out of that, actually. <laughs> I kind of think it's funny when I'm around people that want me to do what they want me to do, and it's not very beneficial for me to do it. It's more beneficial to them, and it's not in my highest interest, and they don't really seem to care if I care, and I just say, no, I'm not going to do that. And they go, huh, what? Everyone does what I tell them to do, huh? <laughs> they don't necessarily say that. But that's what I hear in my head, and I have a little laugh about it, and uh, it's kind of fun for me. But I'm not saying that you should do that. I'm not saying that that's your path, too. I hope someday you get so comfortable in your own skin that you can look at situations like that and think in your head, well, that's too bad for you because I only like to hang around people that care about me and respect me and honor me honoring myself. So if that's not you, then... Maybe this conversation shouldn't happen. So I probably throw confidence in personal power as well, but you don't always need it. I had no confidence when I had to stand up to my stepfather once. None. <laughs> I just did it. But that was power. That was power. That was having the fear and doing it anyway. You've probably heard that before. You know, you feel the fear and you do it anyway. That's what I did. That's empowerment. Thank you again for joining me. It has been awesome connecting with you, and I hope that you can take away something from this show, but if you don't, just remember, keep an open mind. This is what helps you step into your power so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. 
You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing.